Good morning, everybody. I am so excited that you are joining us today. I, I want to just stop for a minute before I go anywhere. And I want to tell you, you need to invite somebody to this sermon. So wherever you are right now watching, tell everybody to come into the room. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your auntie, your uncle, your cousin. Bring everybody into the room. If you don't have anybody in the room with you, text somebody, Facebook somebody. Tell them they need to watch this sermon. This is part four of Relationship Status, and today I'm preaching on the subject that you need to hear, and you probably know that somebody else needs to hear it, and the subject I am preaching on today is before you open your mouth. Before you open your mouth, and before I open my mouth, I better pray so that I can preach this in the right way. I know some of you right now, you're going, honey, this is for you. Come in here. This is for you. All right, so let's take a moment. Let's pray, and let's get ready for part four of relationship status. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity and the truth that you bring to us. Thank you, Lord God, for the instruction in your word. Help us, Lord, to speak words that bring life. Help us to speak words that bring life in our relationships. Speak words that bring life among our friendships. Speak words that bring life, Lord God, as followers of you, as Christians, as light in the world. Help us to be people who speak good and righteous and pure and bright words to your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you open your mouth, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had that experience of hearing words come out of your mouth that you wish you could put back in? Anybody out there, camera operators, anybody? Can, can, come on, somebody. You've spoken a word, and as soon as it came out, you go, man, I just wish I could grab it out of the air and shove it right back into my mouth. I, I um, had an experience, this is a while back now, um, where I was helping our school with a parade. We were, U-City City School District, we were having a parade. All the kids had their little face paint on. We're walking down, you know, Del Mar. We're throwing out candy. We're having a great time. Beautiful parade. It's a little hot, it's a little muggy, kind of sweaty, but it was fun. Everybody's laughing. We're dancing. There's music. Great day. Perfect day. We get back to the parking lot where we're now unloading the stuff. I've got some speakers in the back of my Jeep, and I'm unloading some stuff, and we're laughing, and I got the kids in the Jeep. My wife, Rebecca's there, and the, the, the farmer's market is over here. People are hanging out. There's people from the school district hanging out. We're all having a good time, and I'm unloading stuff, and I'm feeling like a good citizen because I'm helping out with the parade. You know, I'm a good dad in the, in the school district and all that. Suddenly, I hear this loud, blaring horn. Like repeated, loud, blaring horn, okay? So I'm looking around, what's going on? So my Jeep is parked in the parking lot. It's not in a parking space, it's in the lane because we're unloading the Jeep, we're trying to get things situated, right? There's a pickup truck behind my Jeep and the person in the pickup truck is laying on the horn repeatedly as loud as possible. And I'm like, what is going on? I start to walk over there and, and there's plenty of room for the pickup truck to go around my Jeep. Plenty of room. But whatever, whatever reason, they insist on sitting behind my Jeep blaring the horn. Now, I don't know why that made me feel so indignant. I don't know why. Maybe I was embarrassed. 
Maybe there were just too many people around. I, I look in the truck. There's a family in the truck. Mom's driving. Dad's over in the passenger seat. There's two kids sitting in the back. And I'm looking at her like, what in the what? What is your problem? Why are you blasting the horn at me right now? And then I'm looking at other people in the truck to try to get some backup. I'm looking at the husband in the driver's seat, like, and he's avoiding my eyes, like, no, no, no eye contact. I'm looking at the children in the back seat, you know, like, trying to figure out, like, and they're just kind of like, eh, you know, kind of embarrassed. So finally, I said, you know what? I, I just need to tell this person what I'm doing so that it, it explains why my truck, my Jeep is parked here. And so I, I lean over to her. I'm like, you know, kind of maybe 10 feet away. And I go, we are unloading our car from a parade for my kids. Okay, I said it like that. Every word was its own sentence and a stop in between. We are unloading the car from the parade for my kids. Okay? And I don't know what I expected her to say. I, maybe I thought she would be like, Oh, really? Parade. My bad. Let me, let me just go around you, right? You know what she says? This is gospel truth. She says, I don't care about your parade. Does that hit you the same way it hits me? I don't care. When you say you don't care about my parade, you're saying, I don't care about your kids. I don't care about your school district. I don't care about this community. I don't, I don't care about peace on earth. I don't care about, I don't care about happiness and joy. I don't. That's what you're saying to me, right? So when she said that, some words came out of my mouth. They just came out. The words just came out. Didn't think about it, didn't talk, didn't plan it. They just came out of my mouth. She said, I don't care about your parade. And at the very, close to the top of my voice, I said, oh yeah? Well, I don't care about you. That was my comeback. Oh, excuse me. Whoa, I'm getting excited right now. I don't care about you. That was my reply. Now, immediately when I said it, I regretted saying it for two reasons. First reason is that was not a very strong comeback. If I had more time to think of a better insult, I could have come up with something a little more clever. But I'm not very fast on my feet when it comes to insults, especially when I'm mad. So that, I was a little embarrassed because that was just a bad, it was a bad insult. If you're going to insult, you should have a little zing to it, okay? But really, the second reason and the main reason why I regretted it is because I'm the pastor of one family church. And across the street from where I am yelling to this person, I don't care about you, is our church. And our church's mission is to bring people and God together in love. And I'm supposed to represent that mission to the best of my ability. And I'm standing in a parking lot in University City with the farmer's market over here and the youth city school district families over here. And I'm yelling at a woman in a pickup truck saying, I don't care about you. Amen. All right. I have confessed my transgressions. Now, how about you? Because I am confident that I'm not the only one that has heard words come out of my mouth that I wish I could put back in. Unless you are a fool or you have a short memory, you today can say, I have spoken words that I wish I had not spoken. See, the thing is with words, words have Wait.
The words you speak have weight on the people to whom you speak them. For me, for me, I'm fortunate because the person that I said that to, I don't know her. She's a stranger. I'll probably never meet her. If I do ever meet her, I will owe her an apology after explaining that she could have just gone around the Jeep, then I will apologize to her because I should not have said what I said. Your words have weight. The reality is normally when we speak words that we wish we could pull back, we're not saying them to a stranger in a parking lot. We're saying them to our mother. We're saying them to our father. We're saying them to our friends. We're saying them to our roommate. We're saying them to our colleagues. We're saying them to our boss. We're saying them to our employees. We're saying them to our girlfriend, to our boyfriend, our fiance, our wife, our husband, our children. We're saying words that have weight on the people that hear them. And words have power. Words can either build up or they can tear down. Words can can, can grow confidence in somebody or they can build insecurity. Words can make somebody feel a sense of, of, of pride in what they're doing, or, or, or they can, words can make them feel ashamed of who they are. Your words have weight. In fact, the scripture says it like this, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's how strong words are. That's how important it is that when you speak to someone, you are speaking words of life and not death. Here's what Jesus said. Now, this is, this is, this is heavy. Matthew 12. You don't hear this one preached very often. Matthew 12, uh, verses 36, 37. I tell you, Jesus says, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified... Or by your words, you will be condemned. There's a little song that we used to sing. I know you know the song when we were little kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And even then, when you said those words, you knew that that little song wasn't true. Because words can hurt you. Words can cut deep. Words can be imprinted on your mind for years and years and years to come. And I know there are people watching this sermon right now who are saying, yep, I've, I, there are words that I heard somebody that loves me or is supposed to love me spoken to my heart, spoken to my mind at some point, And those words keep going round and round and round. You're a fool. I never loved you anyway. You're just like your mother. You're so stupid. You're an idiot. We've all heard words that bring us down, that tear us down. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you speaking those words. I want you speaking words that bring life. Here's how important this is. Jesus' brother, James, wrote a letter to Christians all around the world. And he said, I'm gonna, I want to tell you how important it is for you to understand what you are saying before you open your mouth. I, I want you to understand how important this is. Here's what he wrote in James 3, cha- uh, chapter 3, verse 3. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal just with a little bit in their mouth. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, he said, 
The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider, he said, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also, he says, is a fire A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It could set the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He said, listen, The tongue is powerful. It can build up or it can burn down. Here, let me show you what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. I'm going to give you an illustration here. He's saying your tongue is like this, this match. It's like a little fire. And your tongue, your words, all the relationships in your life, it can burn them down. It can set, it can set them on fire. It can burn relationships up. It can burn people's life. Your, your, your career, your finances, it can be set on fire by your tongue. The tongue is a world of fire. Your, your career, your, your, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations can be burned up by the words you say. Your family, your house, your livelihood, the people you love, the people you hold near and dear, your home. Your family, it can burn up. You can destroy everything you love simply by the words that you speak. So it is so important to understand what we are to do before we open our mouth. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is the Scripture gives us deep and powerful insight to help us avoid ending up in the dustbin, to to avoid ending up burning things down. And the reality is the scripture teaches us that we need to take care of some things before we open our mouth. How many of you know, if you you have any background of, of knowing anybody that's been sick at all, there's two ways to treat the symptoms. You can just treat the symptoms or you can treat the underlying cause. Right? So in the analogy, the symptoms are just the words. Your words are the symptoms of the condition of what is inside of you. You see, if you want to treat the symptom of your words, you have to treat the condition of your heart. So before you open your mouth, here's what the scripture teaches, check your heart. First step, before you say anything, especially when somebody is honking a horn at you in a parking lot or in a relationship or any other environment, before you say anything, before you open your mouth, you have got to check your heart. My mom has an orange tree in her backyard. Guess what that orange tree produces? If you've got a kid in the room, they're probably yelling out the answer right now. That orange tree produces oranges. That's the only thing it produces. Doesn't produce avocados. Doesn't produce grapefruits. Doesn't produce apples. It only produces oranges because that's what that tree is. What's down in that tree is the DNA 
of, of producing oranges, and so the only thing that grows off its limbs are oranges. What your, your heart, what is in your heart, is what is going to come out of your mouth. Let me, let me read you what Jesus says about this. He says in Luke 6, he says, Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. He said people don't pick figs uh, from, from thorn bushes because, because thorn bushes don't produce fig, figs, right? They produce thorns. He said they don't pick grapes from briars because briars produce briars. They don't produce grapes. So you can't go get grapes off a briar batch, patch. He said a good man brings good things of the, out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in his heart. And then this is, the, this, is, this, is the, this is the line. If you don't get anything else, get this line. Because this line, this line right here, will transform your relationships. It will transform your life. Here it is. Ready? Verse 45. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Whatever is in here is going to come out here. Your words are the symptoms of the condition of your heart. And whatever comes out is what's in here. So you can either treat the symptom. The way to treat the symptom is don't say anything anytime ever. Don't send a text message. Don't put a post out. Don't speak anything. And then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to speak evil. That's treating the symptom. But if you want to treat the cause, the underlying cause, then you need to check your heart. Today at the end of this service, I want to invite you at 1045 this, this, this morning I want to invite you to take a step in that direction. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or, or maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you're not plugged into a community that's seeking to bring people and God together in love, I want to invite you today, join me for next steps. I'm going to, I'm going to lead that class. I'm going to lead that session. We're going to talk about what it means to have love, to, to grow love in our heart for one another, love for God, love for each other, so that our hearts become full of goodness, full of righteousness, full of peace and love. What, all of the fruit of the Spirit, patience and long-suffering and goodness and kindness and gentleness, that's what is going to come out of your mouth if that's what's in your heart. So you can join me today right at the end of this service for that. If you're already a member, I want to encourage you to do this. Many of you are already doing it. Go online and join us in 40 days of prayer and fasting. You want to start having a, a, an experience with the Lord where your heart begins to change? Spend some time with him. Spend some time in prayer and fasting. We're only like ha almost halfway through our 40 days. You can jump in and get your 20 days of prayer uh, and fasting, and you can do that today. OneFamilyChurch.com slash 40 days. Uh, or, or you can go to OneFamilyChurch slash life groups. There are a bunch of life groups that are, that are doing the 40 days together and other kinds of life groups. I just want to encourage you, take a step today to check the condition of your heart. Because here's what happens. When your heart starts to get right, when your heart starts to get purified, when your heart starts to, starts to, starts to be informed by the, by the fruit of the Spirit, and you start to see, you start to experience love and, and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness, when that starts to, to get to work in your heart, here's what happens. Your heart begins to be repaired. When your heart begins to be repaired, your heart begins to fix your eye. What do you mean fix your eye? What I mean by fix your eye is before you open your mouth, 
You need to see the person you're speaking to in the way that God sees the person that you're speaking to. Because if you see them the way God sees them, you won't speak to them the way you would speak to them. You would speak to them the way God would speak to them. I hate to admit this, but I, um, I've recently had to get reading glasses. And I'm not happy about it. Not happy at all. Um, but I was at the grocery store a while back. And they have one of these little places where you can put your eyes up to it. And you can turn this little lever and it'll tell you if your eyes are good or bad or whatever. My wife, Rebecca, always wants me to get my eyes checked because she, she thinks that I'll look good in glasses. That's what she says. So every time we go by an eye thing, she goes, oh, you should get your eyes checked. So she thinks that I'll be more, I'll look smarter, you know, and maybe more symmetrical. I don't know what it is, but she always wants me to get glasses. So I go to the grocery store. I put my eyes up to the thing, and I'm looking, and I go on to one of the, the levels, and suddenly... I mean, I could see pretty good. And I didn't realize that I wasn't really seeing that good. So, so I, got, I got one of the glasses off the shelf, and I put them on, and I looked at my phone, and I was like, oh, that's what that emoji is. Like, I've been sending the wrong emoji this whole time. Like, I started to see things that I, that I hadn't seen before. I didn't realize I needed a little help with my eyesight. So I bought these glasses at the grocery store. They were like $15, and I'm cheap, so I'm not... I'm not that excited about, you know, $15 glasses. Took them home. My dog thought it was a a snack. He thought it was like a bone. So I have my new glasses that I bought at the grocery store, $15, and my dog chews them up. Now, I don't want to go spend $15 more. So I go on Amazon, and I found that you can actually buy a box of 20 reading glasses for $20. So that's just... $1 $1 per pair of glasses. That lasts my dog, you know, maybe three or four months before he eats up all those glasses. So I went ahead and bought them. So I get, the, I get it from the Amazon box. I pull it out and I put them on. And suddenly, things were actually blurrier than when I had them on before. And I said, man, this, these, this is a defect. There's something wrong with these glasses. So I take them off. And I realized that there's like a clear plastic protective film over the lens of the glasses. And I go, oh. So I have to take that off. Now I put them on. Now I can see right. Here's what the Lord is saying to somebody today. You are not seeing people right. You are seeing through a, through a filmy lens. You are not seeing people the way that I see people. And that's why the words that come out of your mouth are not words that edify. They're not words that build up. They're not words that glorify. They're not words that bring confidence and courage and strength. They're words that burn down. They burn down the people that you're talking to. And in the process, they burn down everything that you care about. So the question is, how, if I fix my eye, If I fix my eye, how do I begin to see people? Here's how God sees people, and here's how he wants you and me to see people. Here's what it says in 1 John 3. It says, dear friends, we are children of God. Now think about that. It didn't say you're a child of God, which you are. It says we are children of God. So when you are speaking to a person, I want you to fix your eyes so that you can see that person as a child of God. 
And when you speak to one of God's children, you're going to speak to that person. If you've got your eyes fixed and you've got your heart checked, you're going to speak to that person as if they are a child of God. Because you don't want to dishonor God's children. You want to, you want to, you want to make an angry parent speak evil to their child. Be unkind to their child. Somebody is unkind to one of my children, speaks evil to one of my children, says something derogatory to one of my children, it makes me very upset. And if you think it makes me upset, you should see what it does to my wife. Don't speak evil of people's children. Just don't do it. It's not a good idea, especially if their parent is God. So if you want to grow in your relationship and not burn it down, including your own life, then before you open your mouth, you're going to check your heart. You're going to fix your eye. And then here's number three. You ready? Number three is you're going to bend your ear. All this before a single word comes out of your mouth. Let me just tell you this. I'm going to just pause for a second. If you just take one of these principles, just one of these truths, and, in, and, and apply it to your life today, apply it to your life today, you will see significant and substantial transformation in your relationship right now. Not at some future point in the maybe far off future. Right now, if you will just take one of these principles, don't try to get them all in. Don't try to do them all. You don't, you're not ready for that. Take one of these principles, apply it to your life, and just see what God does. So number three is bend your ear. What that means is you need to listen to understand before you speak. Before you open your mouth, you need to pause and you need to listen. I don't know if any of you all, uh, any of the rest of you do this, but sometimes in my life, I have spoken into situations before I understood the fullness of that situation. So I have, I have spoken into something and, 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 and only afterwards learned that there were details and nuances and things about that situation that I didn't fully understand, didn't fully understand it. So when I spoke, I spoke out of turn. And I spoke too critically or too harshly because I didn't understand what was going on. You know the old saying about people who assume, right? If you assume, you make an astronomical mistake, okay, is what that saying is or something like that. I can't remember exactly how that goes. But don't, don't assume that you know what is going on in somebody else's life. Don't think that you understand somebody's motives. If you, before you speak, you need to pause and listen and seek to understand. Some of Jesus' disciples, they were, they, were, they, were, they were mad because people were not treating them right. And they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, should we just set them all on fire? Should we just burn the place down? Isn't that what we should do? Because these people are disrespecting you, right? They're speaking without understanding. They, they've got the enthusiasm. They've got the, the passion. They just don't have the understanding. You know, there's an, another phrase that I can say. Uh, and that phrase is, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So sometimes we need to just pause that's going to sink in for somebody. We need to pause and we need to listen and we need to hear to understand. We need to seek to understand. Here's what the scripture says about it in uh, James again. 
119, it says this. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. So if, if, if you want to actually make your relationships grow, your friendships grow, your romantic relationship grow, whatever it is, whatever relationship, your family grow and flourish and grow, then you got to check your heart, okay? You got to check your heart. You got to fix your eye. You got to bend your ear. And only after you have done all of that, not, re- not ready to open your mouth yet, but after you have done all of that, then number four is you've got to get your mind right. Not just your heart, but your mind. You got to get your thoughts straightened out. You got you to marshal or govern your thoughts. A lot of times we will just speak whatever comes to our mind. And when we speak whatever comes to our mind without marshalling our thoughts, without governing our thoughts, we end up saying things that we wish we had not said. Such as, I don't care about you, right? Because I didn't, I didn't consider what was coming out of my mouth. I wasn't thinking about the words that were getting ready to come out of my mouth. The other day, we, um, 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 I, I'm like a, a, an inbox geek, I guess. I like my inbox to be empty. So I, like, I, don't, I don't like in, you know, emails floating around my inbox. So I've got all my, my emails done till my inbox said zero. No emails in my inbox. Very happy about that. I go to my wife. I'm showing her, check out my, check out my inbox. No emails, right? Uh, so she takes a picture because her inbox is different than mine um, in terms of sheer massive quantities of numbers that are in her inbox. And so she, she posts on Facebook and says, oh, look, my husband's inbox is empty. Isn't that nice? You know, and then she said, compared to mine, it was like, I don't know, 30,000 emails. But anyway, so, so mine was empty. Well, somebody noticed on Facebook that over in the drafts, where it said drafts over there, it said there were like almost 1,500 drafts. So somebody made a comment and said, okay, so I see his inbox empty, but why are there 1,500 drafts <laughs> of unsent emails. Rebecca said, because those are the emails that at some point he made the decision not to send. You see, sometimes we want to just say what is on our mind. We just want to speak out. Some people are saying, you know what? I'm just going to speak the truth. That's who I am. I'm just going to tell you what's on my mind. You do that very long, you know who you're going to be talking to? Yourself. Because not everybody needs to hear every thought that's on your mind. You need, to govern, you need to use wisdom and marshal your thoughts and govern your thoughts. In fact, the scripture puts it like this. Ready? Ephesians 4.15. How are we to speak? We are to speak the truth in love. My favorite preacher, one of my favorite preachers is T.D. Jakes. The dude can just preach the paint off the wall. It's just sick actually, to watch him preach. I hate him, and I love him. But one of the things that he says to preachers as they're developing in their ability to preach, he says, here's four steps. He says, first, you need to study yourself full. Then you need to think yourself clear. Then you need to pray yourself hot. Then you need to let yourself go. That's the four steps. I'm good with, I'm good with 
three, and sometimes I'm good with four, but what he's saying is before you get there, you need to study yourself full, and then you need to think yourself clear. You got, you got to put some wisdom around the words that you are trying to say. Here's, here's what the scripture says about the kinds of words that come out of our mind. When we, we get our mind together, we get our thoughts together, here's what it says. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words, words that just fly out of your mouth, are like sword thrusts. Man, they just, man, they just stab you. They just stick you. But the tongue of the wise wise, right? The wise, the one who uses their mind, the one who gets their mind right. The, the, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me give you one more. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. My grandpa used to say, you know, some people are like porcupines. They got a lot of good points, but they're hard to get close to. Sometimes those of us that just speak the words that come out of our mind, you might have a lot of good points, but it's not just about the thing you say. It's about the way you say it. Can you speak with humility? Can you speak with grace? Can you speak with wisdom? Because once you have checked your heart, you've checked your heart and you've fixed your eye and you bent your ear and you got your mind right, then and only then, not one second before, then and only then is it time for you to open your mouth. And here's the beautiful thing. If you have done those things, and I'm just going to encourage you, just do one today. Like I said, just do one. Because if you do one, then you start, to, you start the process of actually being able to speak life into people. If you do those things and then, then you speak, here's, here's what it's like. Scripture says like honey. It's going to be like honey coming out of your mouth. Here's, here's Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words, words that have been thought through, words that are coming from a pure heart, Words that are coming from a, a clear mind and having listened and, and, and seen people the right way. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. That's what it's like. That is what it's like when you speak words of love, and patience, and joy, and long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness. Now, before I close, I want to just say this to you. Because I know there are a lot of people right now who are going, yep, yes, sir. Wish I had heard this story a long time ago. Wish I could pull back some things that I said. But I've already said them. And I've already burnt up my relationship. And I've already burnt up my, my career and some of the opportunities that I had. And I've already burnt up my family. I've already burnt up my friends. I've already done it. I've already said the words. I've already burned the house down, James. I've already burnt the fire down. This is what is so beautiful about the scripture. I want you to just get this. Get this. This is huge. This is, this is rich theology. This is God, God's word right here. Ready? And the gospel of John, the gospel of John opens with this. It says this. This is for those of you who feel like you've already blown it. 
Gospel of John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word. Then you come down to verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You want to know what that means? That means even if you have burnt the house down, but you open up your heart and say, God, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus' word in my life. I need God's word in my life. I need to open my life to, 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 to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Here's the reality. Jesus is the word, and Jesus gets the final word in your life. Even if you have blown it. Here's what, he, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I have come. Here's, here's what comes out of his mouth. I have come that they might have life and that more abundantly. You know what that means for you? That means even if you burnt it down, even if you've blown it, you've said all the words, you've been divorced, you've lost your job, you messed up here, you just blew it. But you allow the word who was made flesh into your soul Here's what happens. He reaches down into the dustbin of your life. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to restore these relationships. I'm gonna wipe the ashes off. I'm gonna wipe the dust off. I'm gonna start to restore your, your, your career and your finances and, and, and your job pursuits and the things that you wanna pursue in life. I, I, I've come that you might have life. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help you to rebuild your family. Start to love people, start to rebuild, start to regroup. Because I have come so that you might have life. I am the Word, and the Word was made flesh. Jesus has the final Word. So here's what I want you to do today. If you are not a part of a community who is following Jesus, I want you to join us today or come and learn about what it means to, to love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. To, to learn what it means to open your heart and be humble and say, God, I need you in my life. I've already burnt stuff down. I've got regrets. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I thought things that I shouldn't have thought. But I want to come to you and I want to be a part of your family. I want you to have the final word in my life. I want you to come to Next Steps today. Today, I'm going to lead step one. That's our membership session. That's at 1045. There's a link in the chat. There's a link below. You can just click on that link at 1045. Join me live, and I'll be teaching that session today. If you're already a member, you're already part of our community, please go to onefamilychurch.com slash 40 days. Start, start opening your heart, letting the word seep into your heart and change your heart and fix your eyes and bend your ear and, and straighten out your mind so that when, when you speak words, you're not burning things down. It's like honey. You're a honeycomb. You're, bring, you're bringing grace and joy and life to those around you. If you haven't joined a life group, join a life group. Get plugged in. Get involved. Get engaged. Let the word speak through you today. If you've been coming to One Family Church for some time or if this is your church home, we want to invite you as we close today to be a part of proclaiming God's Word, not just here in St. Louis, but around the world. 
We invite you to do that through your giving. OneFamilyChurch.com slash give. Be a part, partner with us in proclaiming God's word. That's how you can join us financially. You just, you can make a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Totally up to you. Uh, And then finally, I want to invite you as we close out today to take a moment and really remember that it was the word that was made flesh that came to set you free and came to give you life. That came to bring life into your relationships, life into your family, life into your career, life into your pursuits, life into your dreams, life into your hopes. The scripture says that on the night that he was betrayed, he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, eat, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he poured out the cup and he said, drink, this is the blood of my covenant that's being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I pray that you will let Jesus not only have the final word, but be the final word in your life today. We love you. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday.